Happy Friday, um, and I'm back here. So just first things first, sorry for any of you who were looking forward to the Circle of Advancement interview. Um, we just had some scheduling conflicts that came up last minute, but we're going to postpone that, and we're going to get that back to you probably closer to the December time frame, gearing up for the annual toy drive. Um, what else is on my mind? Um, I don't know what is on my mind right now, but you know, we had to get a show off this week. So we're going to do that today. We're going to talk. Um, I'm going to open up talking about sports returning, which is why you see me in my Atlanta Braves Jersey because Hey, baseball, baseball is back. Sports is back. And Hey, it's a great thing. going to talk a little bit about uh, the Kanye West situation. going to talk about some slippery slopes. I can't say that more than twice. Uh, police brutality and pop culture. I don't have a YNC recap for you all, but I do have a recap of what's that thing called? Of the Season Salt, which is a great, great podcast. Not a podcast, excuse me, a great Instagram live that happens every other Saturday at seven in the morning, Easter time at the Season Salt. I'll get into what that is and I'll talk about the uh, this past week's message from it. And we'll talk a little sports. I'm going to get back to sports. Sports is back. Y'all know I love sports. Y'all know I started with sports. I'm telling you, I got the Braves jersey on. I got the chains out just like, you know what I'm saying, the baseball players be doing. You know, you got to get out there. You got to be swagging and stuff. But hey, 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 it's the big baby. And I'm back and I'm partying by myself two weeks in a row, man. I tell you what, it's great to do interviews, but I tell y'all, I love, I love the pod by myself. It really lets me know where I stand if I still got it. Can I still uh, 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 rock the mic and rock the mic right? But hey, look, sports is back. I think it's great. I think it's a time to celebrate because we love our sports. You know, I've been watching baseball and basketball all day. The NFL players agreed with the owners on starting back training camp, and it's absolutely amazing that we have sports back. But now that sports is back, now that the world is opening up in some places, I think, closing up here in California, let's not lose sight of the progress that we made during this time. The time where we were less distracted than we've ever been in our lives, let's not forget the progress that's been made. Let's not forget that there is a war that we are fighting against inhumanity, against hate, against bigotry, and we have to continue that fight. Yes, we have a great, great source of decompression with sports. We have entertainment back. Some of our best and most beautiful and brightest faces are back on television. We get to see them again. We get to see our sports. We get to bet on our sports. We can't go to games yet, but we get to we get to watch it. And let's enjoy that. But again, let's not forget what we've been fighting for and what we're continuing to, continuing to fight for. I don't know if you heard LeBron use his platform responsibly. During his post-game interview yesterday, he talked about Black Lives Matter. And I think it was such an important piece because I've spoken to you all on multiple occasions about, hey, look, Black Lives Matter is a great sentiment. 
You can have your opinions on the group, but it's about the sentiment. It's an excellent sentiment, but it's more than a movement, like LeBron said. It is our lifestyle, and it should be everyone's lifestyle to ensure that Black lives matter. And don't all lives matter. I mean, when I say, hey, we should care about everyone's life, we should ensure that everyone's life matters because we should. We really should. And for those who are pushing for Black Lives Matter to include myself, again, for people just caring about my people, caring about me, caring about the issues that we struggle with, some that we can't control, the systemic problems that have plagued us for years, let's continue to fight that battle. And as we fight that battle, again, let's not lose, let's not lose sight because the world is starting to open back up and we have things that are taking our attention away. So we appreciate the symbolism. We appreciate the change that's happening so far, but let's continue that fight. And the way I think that we do that is we have people who wear Black Lives Matter masks, T-shirts, keep fighting, all the different symbols. But if you just look at yourself every day and you ask yourself, are you living a life that is looking out for those who you don't have to look out for, those whose lives may not matter to you, those who are being oppressed. If you look at your life each day and you can answer the question that you are living a life that supports everybody, that supports black people, then you're great. And again, I'm, I, I say everybody because I, I'm not against taking care of everybody. I'm not somebody who is so pro-black because I'm anti any other group. I'm anti-racism. I'm anti-oppression. I'm anti-hate. But we have to ensure that on all ends, we are taking care of everybody. So look, Black Lives Matter for me is not a movement. It really isn't. It's a lifestyle. I have to live this lifestyle every single day because of the color of my skin. And for those who look like me, we continue fighting that fight. So let's not be distracted. All right. So let's get to some uh, some of my other topics, man. I was going to open with this one, to be honest. And then I said, ah, nah, let me talk a little bit about sports coming back and not getting distracted because I did not want to push that piece to the end of the show. Uh, Kanye, he's back at it again, right? He's got us. He's, he's he's going on a presidential push, I think, I believe, but I'm not sure because from what I've read, he's actually not registered to uh, to be appear on ballots, but he's running for president or he's promoting an album or he's promoting new music because he did drop a song today. But nonetheless, he's back on Twitter. He's tweeting and he's making a public appearance. And let me tell you something. More than one thing can be true. Kanye could be chasing clout. Kanye could be rolling out a project. Kanye could be struggling with his mental health. Kanye could be stuck in Get Out. All of that can be true. And I think we should look at it in that lens. And for one, we're we're not giving Kanye a pass here. Not on this podcast. We can't give him a pass. Because his continued behavior is just terrible. It's awful. But if he's somebody who needs help, he needs to get that help. And he shouldn't be ignored just because he's the man who cried clout. You know, you had the boy who cried wolf, but he is the man who cried clout. And so often he's crying for clout and he's losing 
support from people who like him, people who care about him, because he cries for clout. So first, let's get to these Harriet Tubman comments where he said words to the effect that she she didn't really free slaves. She freed them to white people to white control. Yes, that is true. But to devalue what that step was is absolutely wrong. To try to give him a pass for saying, well, here's what I think he meant. No, 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 no. Here's what he said. And words have meaning. Therefore, he should be judged off the words that he said because we do not know his intent. He oftentimes is, you know, says wild things to get a response. And I do believe that is what he did here. Many people say that he does not articulate himself well. I beg to differ. I truly and firmly believe that he can articulate himself very well and he uses his platform and these various opportunities to say things that will incite a response, okay? So even if his point is that slaves were freed to another form of white oppression, look, they were freed. They were given the opportunity to get some form of compensation for their work. So eventually they could create an opportunity to create their own money, to have ownership. But you have to be free from slavery before you can even take that step. So to attack what she did in that way, I just think is totally toxic. It is um, it is uh, just terrible. Couldn't find, it was irresponsible. That's the word I was looking for. It's just very irresponsible. But like I said, we can't give keep giving him a pass and some of his other actions. I do believe it's a cry for help. And that's why, for me, I think it is important to monitor who we put in, in our circle. You have to remember where you came from. You have to have people around you who know the real you. Because what happens if people fall in love with the character that you are and not your character, you'll never be comfortable with yourself. Let me pe- repeat that again. If you let people fall in love with the character that you are, and not your character, you'll never be comfortable being yourself because you will always be trying to live up to the character and you can't get in your own skin because you are afraid that those people may not love you. They may not respect you. They may not treat you the way that you want to be treated based upon your actual character. And I believe that's what's happening to him in this case. I do believe he's in a situation where the people around him are in love with Ye or Kanye, but they don't even really know who the real Kanye West is. When you see someone who he was very close to, like Jay-Z, who keeps a tight circle, circle is very similar to those who he came up with. And you see that the, the, the distance between him and that he and Kanye have publicly it's, it's, it's astonishing. It's scary. But to me, it says that, hey, this man has stepped out of who he who he has stepped out of who he once was and has gotten caught up into the fame. He's got caught up into the hype. He's gotten caught up into the clout. And when you have those people in your circle, if you keep those people in your circle who know the real you and not the caricature of yourself, they are more likely to check you. They're more likely to bring you back down to earth. 
again, I'll never forget that I'm AC from Cartersville. And part of that is keeping people who I grew up with close to me. And the people who I've, who I've, who I've met throughout life, I've never not taken an opportunity to allow them to interact with the people who I grew up with, the people who've known me for 15, 20 years, 10 years. Why? So that the different personalities that each one sees, they can all mix them up together. And then the people who I may have grown up with who haven't seen the growth, they get to see the growth. And the people who don't know who I once was, they get to find out some of the other stuff because we do put on different masks for different groups of people. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but you should never lose sight of who you were. Like I can never lose sight of being AC or Adam and just get caught up in being the big, the big baby. <laughs> but another quote from Kanye that really got my attention was him comparing himself to Get Out saying, y'all know that movie is about me. And at first I thought that was just pompous Kanye, you know? It's just him talking his normal Kanye stuff just to get a response. And see, I forgot my props. I was going to be over here stirring my tea, right? Because although, although I don't know if the movie is about him, I think that is very applicable to his life. Because the Kardashian family is very similar to the family from Get Out. They have a couple of key indicators that will make them comfortable in our community. Oh, yes, we date black. I've, I've dated black guys before. We date black men. Or, you know, Kim's fighting for prison reform. You know, our kids are, we have mixed kids. We represent, our uh, Rob Kardashian senior represented OJ. You know what I'm saying? Just like in the movie, they're like, yeah, we voted for Obama. And uh, we would have voted for him again if we could. To try to give you a certain sense of comfort. But if you think about it, so many people who have entered into that web, that Kardashian web, they end up losing themselves. The Kardashians want us to believe that they are a part of our culture. They're here to help our culture, that they are different from many of the other Hollywood elite. But they're not. They exploit our culture. They, they try to look like us. They, they, they date our people. And they run them through the ringer. And it seems like everybody who enters into that family leaves with the Kardashian curse. And that Kardashian curse takes them into a true sunken place where they're seeing things that are unlike them. They are exhibiting behavior that is that is unlike what they are used to. They see people who have a mainstream white brain but want to have black features and then you see it you think it's odd but then you either accept it and you end up in the sunken place or you run and you try to get out so i just hope yay can escape the sunken place and get out and it's funny, I was talking about the Kardashians and what they and what Kim has done for, for um police culture and all, and how she's fighting uh criminal criminal uh, justice reform. And I think that's beautiful. I'll never knock the good things that they do 
and even in my um my criticism of the family what they do does not affect me day to day i'm not in those circles i can't afford to be in those circles and if i could i highly doubt that i would but we talk about police brutality and I watch Law and Order SVU fairly often. I've seen every episode more than I've seen every episode at least once, and most of them more than once. I binge it. Why? Because I think it takes. What I love about it is you get to see the way culture has evolved. The show that has what 22, 24 seasons. You get to just watch how so much has changed in the in the United States, and you see how different people can talk. How different people can talk. How different people talk the different things they can get away with back then and how that's not okay. But the most important thing I've taken away from that show is police brutality is glorified. And it's not just that show. Just just think about cop shows. We praise the rogue cop. Like we like Elliot on there. Why? Because he would do what it takes to get the job done. You like, uh, 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 was it, what's it, whatever her name is, Olivia. Why? Because sometimes she might go outside of the law because she knows in her mind that this person did this or this person didn't do it. And they try to impede upon the due process because they feel like what it is they believe is right. And on a TV show, they usually get it right because it's television. But in real life, it doesn't always happen. That's the reason why we have a due process. So I'm curious to see that in the wake of attacks on police violence, police brutality, police culture, are we going to see that shift in the way police are portrayed on television? And I'm afraid we probably won't because if you think about it, a good cop is a boring television show. One who pretty much follows the rules, is looking out for the community the right way, not shooting up stuff, not blowing up stuff, not jacking people up in the interrogation room. It'd be pretty boring. But think about it, bad boys, lethal weapon. It's not even a race thing. It's you you just see rogue cops, and that is glorified by popular culture. We put it all on TV, and then sometimes people wonder, well, why does the police act like this? Well, if you grow up wanting to be a cop, because of what you're seeing on TV, it's not just pulling people over. Hey, how you doing today, sir? Got called over for a disturbance. Everything okay? Or, hey, you're going 65 and a, and a 50. Got to give you a ticket. Ain't nobody trying to watch that TV show. They want to see action. They want to see suspense. They want to see drama. So I just think we have to be careful with what we take away from entertainment and when we're looking at television shows, movies that are like that are that are lifelike, we have to ensure that we keep that in the entertainment realm and we don't try to make it, you know, reality. Gonna take a totally different shift here, and I'm gonna talk about the slippery slope. And let me preface this by saying. I'm not saying this is a slippery slope for me. I'm saying that it becomes a slippery slope in reality. 
And walking on a slippery slope is not a problem as long as you don't fall. So with the Black Lives Matter actions, right, we've seen some statues come down. We've seen a push to get Confederate names removed from military bases. We've seen pretty much the elimination of the rebel flag in different environments. We're seeing a lot of, of, of symbolism that is hopefully changing, right? And there's conversations of changing offensive team names. You have the Cleveland Indians who are going, who are reviewing, changing their name from the Indians. They're going to sit down with um, some native American leaders to try to work on a new name. They've agreed to not wear the jerseys with the Indians' name on it uh, starting the season. What's happening, Young? Who else? We have the Washington National Football Team who are in the process of changing their name finally because they had pressure. There's been pressure on the Atlanta Braves, my favorite baseball team, to change their name and get rid of the tomahawk chop that we all grew to love as Brave fans. And personally, I don't have an issue with it. I think that if a group of people find something offensive to their culture, it is well within their rights to bring that bring that issue to people and talk about it. Okay. I, I see that even they're talking about renaming Rupp Arena because apparently Adolf Rupp um, an OG coach from the University of Kentucky stood for racism and they don't want to be represented by that. And I talk about the slippery slope because there, this is a culture that's been built on so much racism, but so many racist individuals have been prominent Americans. They have done some great things for this country. And again, Two things can be true. You can be a filthy, disgusting racist, but you can also be great at your job. That can happen, okay? So when we start looking at this, what is too far? How far do we go? And again, I am not against removing symbols, right? Removing names from buildings, removing names from arenas, removing statues, by no means am I against that. But I'm also not for rewriting history. Now, the history that we consume organically is not true. It's not accurate. And I think that needs to be worked on. But again, as we work on that, I, I, we need to ensure that we put bad things in there. We talk about the bad things that people have done and who they are. You show both sides because if we do not include these uncomfortable things in history, then we're bound to repeat ourselves that we just don't have a full understanding of who we are. And again, I know that we don't have a full understanding of who we are now because we don't get to tell the different sides of the story, but we cannot forget about these other sides either just because they're bad. 
Just because some things are offensive, again, in an educational form, they, they still should remain so that the education piece is there for learning. Okay, so this is separate from what's going on in sports, because if they change the, the Atlanta, Atlanta Braves team name tomorrow, all right, cool, I'm still riding for them. I'm still a fan of the team, right? I'm pretty sure most fans of the Washington National Football Team are still a fan just because they're changing the name. Like, who's walking away saying, oh, my God, they're changing our name. Hell no, I can't be a fan of that. No one's doing that. No one ra- rational, nobody reasonable. So I think there's not there's nothing wrong with getting rid of these offensive symbols. And honestly, if we just get away from all of these Native American-based mascots, I'm okay with that. Because if you ask me, would you want your people to be a mascot? Uh, no, I don't. What do you think I am? A toy? A piece of entertainment? Something for you to just dance around? No. We are humans. We are a race of people. We are a culture. We are a proud people. You're not going to dress up like me and make a joke out of me for your favorite team? No, absolutely not. Okay. But back to the slippery slope, I asked the question, how far do we go with offensive culture, with offensive conversations, right? Because anything can be offensive to anybody. So what is the line of what is acceptably offensive to somebody or unacceptably offensive. I think there are some things that are pretty much black and white. They're easy to, to, to decide. Oh, no, this is not offensive. This is offensive. Okay. Got it. But then you got the stuff in the gray area. And so much of what we deal with on a day-to-day is not black or white. It is gray. It, 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 it requires thought. It has nuance to it. It's very layered. So when you're dealing with these type of layered problems, where is the line? For those of you listening, whether it's on the live right now, if you're listening to it later, like respond to me, hit my DMs, hit my hit my email, hit my phone if you got my number. Let me know where is the line between what is acceptably offensive to somebody or what is totally unacceptably offensive because we all have different calluses. We all have different temperaments. Some of us can just brush things off like, okay, yeah, whatever, that's you, you live your life, I don't care. And others are deeply bothered by things. Some of us are bothered by words from people that we don't care about. Others of us don't care. So where is the line? All right, now we're going to lighten it up a little bit. Going to talk about, you know, you know, get to my religious bag. So going to give a, a little recap from what I got from the season. So, man, hold on, let me get a little taste of this water. Throat's a little dry. So again, the season salt. Uh, the young queen Candace, who comes on the podcast monthly, she and one of her good friends have a a biweekly. I think what every other week, every every other Saturday morning, they do a live for about an hour, seven a.m. to eight a.m. Eastern time. And what they call what the season salt is. It's a place for black millennials to experience Christ plus the culture curated with love by DeAndrea and Candace. 
Again, I absolutely love it. Follow them on Instagram at the Season Salt. But let me provide some notes from the last conversation. Because y'all know I got to inject a little bit of my uh my God talking here now. Where we at? Where we at? Where we at? Where we at? So one of my first notes is show up, be yourself, and make stuff happen. I think I talked about that earlier. Be who you are, be yourself, and be the change that you want to, to see. Always continue to grow, but make sure that you are who you are. And if you don't like something, do what you can to change it or do what you can to find a new situation. Gifts, skills, and passion. You know, we all have different gifts and skills and and we're passionate about things and it doesn't necessarily relate to money. It's not what we do every day. And that's okay. But how are you using your gift and your skills, right, within your day-to-day work? Okay, I love to talk. I love to help people out. And I don't always have the opportunity to to do that. Like, that's not what I get paid to do. I get paid to do other things, right? But within that, when I have the opportunity to speak to people about my life, my experiences, give them some advice, give them some uh, different perspective on things that they are going through, I try to do that. Thanks for the share, Skrilla. Um, And I try to bring the same out of them. So find the happy place. When you are, when you're working, thanks for the share, Mook. Listen to God, you know, sometimes he he talks to us in different ways. And when he's revealing things to us, we have to listen. Unlearning behavior. Hey, look, some, some of the stuff your mama taught you to do growing up is bad behavior. Okay. Some of that, well, we don't talk about our problems. No, you probably need to talk about your problems. You probably need to find a therapist, a mental health specialist. You probably probably need to find somebody to vent to, okay? Like I was talking to a friend today, and I was talking about how, yeah, there's certain things I grew up thinking was just was not masculine, like getting a pedicure, getting a facial, all that stuff. Ain't no man supposed to be doing that. Man, look, I'm trying to look good forever until the day I die. So if I can do things to take care of my outer health, and look better, I'm going to do it. And you should do the same. So unlearn that bad behavior that was taught to you. Don't say, oh, well, we've always done it this way, whether it's in your life, whether it's in relationships, whether it's at work. Just because you've always done it doesn't make it right. Unbecoming so that you can become it falls into that same vein. Don't be who you once were just because that's who you were Be who you're supposed to be so that you can be successful, so that you can be great. Don't put a period on your thoughts. Leave room to grow. Always leave yourself room to grow. Don't just say, I want to play basketball. Okay, what does that mean? You want to play basketball what? In recreation, in high school, at the gym, at the park? No, you might want to play in the league. You might want to play overseas. You might want to play in college. You know, so don't put periods on your thoughts, because once you put a period on it, you put a cap on it. And you never want to put a cap on your potential. You should always give yourself room to grow because you never know what situations are going to come across in life. They're going to make you want to grow. Your desert ain't my desert. So you and I can be in the same room, living a similar similar life around the, uh, the same people. And guess what? It's different for you than it is for me. You could be thriving 
and I could be depressed. You could be having the living your best life and I could be out here barely clinging on to life. So don't allow other people's situation to control you and your situation. You make life what it is for you. And you know what? Some people like to live in the desert. So just because it's my desert don't mean it can't be your paradise. Let me see. I think I got like one more. Last thing. A song is not here to sing itself. A song is not here to sing itself. So when you write that song, whether it's your life, whether it's your work, it's to be sung by you and other people. So make sure that you're using your talents, but you're using them to uplift others. Okay? So it was an absolutely amazing message. And again, they do it every other Saturday. So it happened this past Saturday. They're off this Saturday. They'll be back next Saturday at 7 o'clock Eastern time on uh, at the Season Salt on Instagram. I'll drop the link in uh, the actual podcast description. Let me get to sports because uh, I'm working on some things out here and I'm getting back into more sports content. Because, again, y'all know I love sports. Man, so this week, listening to some sports, some sports talk radio, and it came up that if Kawhi wins the championship this year, he has the opportunity to move up into the top 10 or top five players of all time. And for so many reasons, I have an issue with this, but the big argument for it was because he wins. He was a finals MVP in 2014 uh, for the Spurs. He was a finals MVP this past year for the Raptors. And if he were to win this year, he would likely be the finals MVP for the Clippers. And I hear that argument, but here's where I struggle to deal with it. For one, he just doesn't have the raw numbers uh, so far at this point in his career. He's only nine years in, and he hasn't won an MVP yet. Yeah, he won an all-star game MVP, but that's just one game. He has not been a regular season MVP. And he, he load manages, and I think that's problematic. But the biggest argument for me against Kawhi is that he doesn't create a culture. Kawhi is a great basketball player, but if you look at the the his successes, he's been a byproduct of the culture that he's been inserted in. It's like he's been the perfect fit into each slot that he's had the opportunity to go to. Look at the Spurs. He goes there as a late lottery pick. He's surrounded by one of the best coaches in NBA history, one of the greatest players in NBA history, one of the greatest cultures in NBA history. You have the Spurs culture. You have Tony, Manu, Pop, and Timmy. It gives him time to grow up, learn, develop, learn how to shoot, learn how to play the game as a guard because he was, I mean, as a wing, he was a big man coming out of high school. But he wasn't forced to grow up immediately. And that's no knock to him. Like, it's great. We all want to go to a job where we're allowed to develop into who we're supposed to be so that we can be our best selves. That happened to Kawhi, but in that finals, he only averaged 17 points per game. And he was a byproduct of the great Spurs culture. 
he still was not the best player in that organization, in my opinion, at that time. It was not his team. It was Tim Duncan's team. Let's go to next year. Was he the best player on the Raptors? Absolutely. Was he the key that got them over the hump? Absolutely. But let's be real. The Raptors have created a great winning culture up there. Championship culture? No. But were they consistently a top team in the East? Yes. Had Masai Ujiri put together a great team and then had the opportunity to move DeMar DeRozan and a another young player to get Kawhi Leonard, a top five player in the league currently, and Danny Green, one of the better veteran role players in the league. Yeah, you can't be mad at him for making that move. And I think it was a great move. But again, in the games that Kawhi didn't play, they had a similar winning percentage. And if you look at the the Raptors right now, they're looking pretty good. They're they're one of the better teams in the East. Siakam took a step up. And I mean it's it's not like they they traded Kawhi. They lost him in free agency. And guess what? He the team is still at the top of the East and they have a great chance of winning the East this year and making it to the finals. Great culture. And finally, the Clippers. The Clippers were an eight seed last year, but since Doc Rivers have been there, they have been consistent winners. Despite the talent that they have, they've had or lack thereof last year, quote unquote, lack thereof, they've created a great winning culture. They have players who play the game a certain way, quote unquote, the right way. And then you insert Kawhi Leonard and Paul George into an already playoff team. And yes, they become one of the favorites to win an NBA championship. So I don't know if they're going to win a championship, but my thing about Kawhi is he doesn't bring a culture to where he's at. He's played for great coaches. You have, and don't get me wrong, a lot of great players have played for great coaches. He played for Pop. Nick Nurse is a young coach in the league, but he's a favorite to win coach of the year this year, and he already has, won a, he's, has already won a championship. He's playing for Doc Rivers, a previous coach of the year and the NBA champion, one of the most respected coaches in the league. So he's been the perfect screw into each system that he's gone into, and it's not a knock on his talent, but to put him as a top five guy, I just – all time, a top 10 guy of all time, I just can't get behind that argument because he's the guy who's benefited from most situations. And oftentimes we, we've we we've down LeBron for changing teams. We've down uh, KD for changing teams. But we're going to praise Kawhi for winning three, win- three rings with three teams. I, I just find that to be just an inconsistent argument. NFL. Here's my hot take about the NFL. The National Football League is going to bring fans back. The National Football League is going to make live sports happen again. Live events are coming back because of the NFL. Because the National Football League has by far the most greedy owners in pro sports. It's disgusting how greedy the the, the NFL owners are. They don't want to give the players anything. They have a hard cap. Basketball has a soft cap. Baseball has no cap. But the NFL has a hard cap. Why? Because that's more money in the players' pockets. They have historically divided and conquered in order to 
keep their power over the players. It's all about the league, the shield. It's the ultimate team sport. No room for individuals, all of that. But look here, I got a notification today saying that the Falcons are looking at a plan of allowing a limited amount of fans into their games. And I believe that is the NFL's plan all the way. And I don't know how the the players feel about it, but it wouldn't shock me that if we see fans at NFL games this year, it won't. And once the NFL does it, as long as it's not a, it's not too crazy, we're going to have fans returning to events. So if this starts in the, in the fall with the NFL, before the spring, we'll see concerts again. The next NBA season will have fans and it'll just be a domino effect. Last uh, topic I want to hit in sports is for college football, I think they should bring it back. And there's arguments saying that, hey, if the kids aren't on campus, the student body's on ca- not on campus, why should we not? Why should we allow the football players to be on campus? Well, here's why. Because you can create your own bubble on campus like the NBA is doing. You can limit the access on and off. You can provide because the, co- the major schools, they have the amenities that the players need. As far as eating and entertainment on the campus, they can provide the schools can provide entertainment, but football is the cash cow of so many of these schools. So in order to maintain the standards that they have to fund the other programs, let's bring football back so that we can make this TV money. Okay, let's make some of the money that we're missing. And if you're going to be completely honest, I wouldn't be shocked if SEC country didn't have fans. They may not start off with fans. They may get to a point to where they are comfortable with fans. So I, I think that you should allow college football to come back, not just for my own rooting sports interest, but because you can create a bubble on the campus to keep the players relatively safe and regulated, which would allow the schools to continue make continue to make money. And I think that once the season is over, you know, you may allow the kid, you may allow the players to leave campus for a while until it's springtime. And I think you could do the same with basketball. You just keep a rotating base of the athletes. Again, I think the kicker is, does the program make money? Like, I'm sorry if you play lacrosse or, or, or women's soccer, you know, no offense to the sports that don't make money. I know that's your passion that you love to do it. But this is about keeping the lights on and making money for the institutions. So the organizations that do that should be allowed to do that. But that's all I got for uh, this week. Episode 100 coming soon. We got some more big things coming soon. We'll announce those as we confirm those and uh, they come out. Thank you all for listening. Big baby, yeah!